Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to spend a few minutes on spring football, BYU style, with Jay Drew from the Deseret News. Jay, good morning. Morning, guys. We should, ma- yeah, we should mention Jay's at a high school basketball tournament, so if you hear some noise in the background, that's what's going on. You might hear a horn at some point. Uh, Jay, we want to start with uh, BYU football. Uh, what role will Mark Pope have? Because clearly he needs to have some role. His magic pixie dust needs to be spread throughout the entire athletic department. Yeah, he's uh, definitely on a roll. He's kind of putting together the sort of season that I've been saying BYU football needs to kind of uh, break out of its malaise a little bit and maybe kind of get some fans back on the bandwagon and just kind of get the energy back in the program and uh, obviously Mark Pope has done that with basketball so maybe he can inject a little enthusiasm into football uh, which which really needs it after finishing the season with back-to-back losses. Alright, so spring ball starting and they did end on a down note and then obviously that is what it is here. And they got a real difficult schedule. So what needs to happen in spring ball to help them set themselves up for a better season in 2020? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, I think they've got to stay healthy. That's a big thing. They just don't have a lot of depth. And uh, so they, you know, they're going to have a lot of guys miss spring ball, as it were, anyway, that had off-season surgery or whatever. But they just can't afford to have any other guys go down, uh, especially guys that can't come back, you know, basically season-ending injuries. And then, you know, obviously the big question is quarterback. They gotta, I think they've got to identify uh, a quarterback and kind of say he's our guy, if nothing else, to send a message to the rest of the team through the, you know, through the off-season uh, workouts and all that, that, that this is the, the leader. Um, you would think it's, it would be Zach Wilson, which was obviously the starter last year when he was healthy. But Zach didn't really uh, have a great bowl game. He didn't have a great game against San Diego State. So that kind of opened the door. And obviously Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney played fairly well when they got their opportunities. So, so uh, yeah, sorry about the cheer in the background. That's not for me, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> So, so those, you know, those are the two big things that I think uh, get get a quarterback you're comfortable with, and then stay stay injury free. So, of the three quarterbacks, not that it matters who you're comfortable with or I'm comfortable with, but who are you comfortable with? Who do you think would give them the best chance at that uh, basketball style breakout season? Yeah, that's a tough one. I, you know, I, I guess I'd go with the safe choice, and that's Zach Wilson. They put a lot of. Uh, time into him and obviously he has the most experience um, I would probably lean towards Zach and at least give him the the opportunity um, but the other guys are really enticing especially Jaron Hall I think Jaron Hall has some the, the sky's the limit for this kid that, as far as what he can do and it would be really fun to see what he could do but you know, you, you got a guy that has a lot more experience uh, in Zach Wilson. So I guess I would lean towards Zach with the uh, with the idea that somehow i got to get Jaron Hall on the field uh, because I, I really think he can be a, a really dynamic playmaker if, if, if he's allowed to. So they got a playmaker covered at tight end. How about running back and receiver? Yeah, running back is uh, kind of interesting where they've got the uh, – 
Devontae Henry Cole transferring from Utah. Um, he, in my mind, moves right up to the top of the depth chart. I, I think he's probably the most talented guy. Uh, a lot of people probably think Lopini Katoa, that kind of the incumbent, the returning starter, if you will. Uh, I just don't know if, if Lopini is kind of a workhorse type of back that can stay injury-free and, and, and take, you know, 20 carries a game. So uh, then they've got uh, Tyler Algier that's uh, been kind of rotating back and forth between linebacker and running back. He's, he's obviously back um, if they decide to use him at running back. And, and then they've got Sione Finau, who uh, suffered a knee injury in practice uh, in November. He waited until January to have surgery. I don't know why. I, something about waiting for the swelling to go down and stuff like that. So I doubt he'll be ready in uh, for fall camp uh, with an ACL. So um, for those other three, and then they got a freshman coming in, Bruce Garrett out of uh, Texas, who's uh, I've heard some pretty good things about. I don't, you know, it's pretty rare for a true freshman to step in, especially at running back. But as you know, Jamal Williams did it, and it can be done. But uh, – so that's kind of the nucleus. They got some other guys, walk-ons and that, that they'll fill in. But, uh, but you know, it's it's a good thing they landed a, the transfer from Utah because I think he can help them, and I think they need help there. And then receiver, uh, obviously they lose the three uh, the three big guns in uh, Talon Shumway, Micah Simon, and and Aleva Hifo. Uh, this is the year that they really need Gunnar Romney to step up and live up to the hype and that he, you know, accompanying him out of high school. Uh, so he's back. And then uh, Dax Milne, uh, uh, walk-on, who's on the scholarship out of Bingham High. And then uh, they, they've got some JUCO transfers that are probably, they're probably going to have to rely on pretty heavily uh, because I don't see a lot of other kind of playmakers. they got Keanu Hill, a freshman who played a little bit last year. He he had shoulder surgery recently, so he's going to miss spring camp. So you never know with that sort of thing if he'll be ready. But that's kind of where they sit at running back and receiver. Um, not a lot of playmakers, but uh, they seem fairly confident that the guys they have can, can rise up and do the job. So, of course, there is a complete recap of all the skill guys, and none of that matters if the offensive line is getting beat. How good do you think the O-line is going to be? On paper, they should be good. Um, I'm kind of hesitant to say that because it seems like they say that every year and then they don't quite live up to the, you know, the standard or the, or the expectations. But obviously they got James Empey back at center, uh, freshman All-American two years ago. They got Brady Christensen at tackle. He's a proven star. Basically, they only lost, uh, uh, you know, a couple of part-time players. They got Keeper Longson back, uh, Shandon Herring, and so, um, and Keanu Saliapaga. So they, they've got almost every guy back. The question now is, uh, also Tristan Hodge, can not forget him. This, uh, the question now is, you know, can these guys basically perform up to expectations and against a really, really hard schedule of Power 5 teams the first four games? That's where they really have to, you know, do something, move the, run the ball, protect Wilson or whoever the quarterback is, and 
And, you know, they did that in spurts last year. Uh, there were other times where they struggled to run the ball. So I would say that uh, there's a lot of optimism for them, but there's still that caveat that you never know until they actually get on the field and you see how they do. Also, Jay, you look at the defense, particularly starting with the backfield and go with that first. They lose uh, Austin Lee and Guanaluco. But other than that, they've got a fair amount of guys returning. How good should they be there? Yeah, it should be interesting. Uh, they got Tyrus Tonga back, and that was a kind of a big, uh, a big get to kind of get him to return for senior season. Uh, defensive line is really the question mark in my mind because they they still don't have a really good pass rusher. That they tried Devin Kafusi there last year. He didn't really do much. Uh, from what I hear, they're maybe looking at playing a little bit more of a 4-3 and, and getting one of the linebackers like Max Cooley or or uh, Peyton Wilgar to be kind of that rush that rush in linebacker, kind of like uh, what Kalani Sitake used at Utah a little bit. Um, so, yeah, defense should be fairly solid. Uh, linebacker, they're, they're uh, set with Isaiah Kafusi, a really good player. I mentioned Tooley and Wilgar. Um, Zane Anderson should be back um, after missing most of last year with the with the shoulder and, and getting the uh, medical hardship to come back. Um, they'll obviously miss Chaz Ayu. Uh, you know, I don't know for sure what they're going to do with his situation after the arrest on DUI charges, but. My, if precedent holds, he'll, he'll sit out a year and use that in his redshirt year like they did last year with Neil Pau, the receiver, who got in legal trouble. So, um, And then, uh, you know, the cornerbacks look fairly set. They'll get Chris Wilcox back. He missed last year with an injury. Uh, most of last year he played a little bit here and there, and it just wasn't, wasn't himself, so they'll call that a redshirt year. And then... Uh, They'll, they've got a hole at safety. They'll have to replace Austin Lee, a very good safety. Um, they'll probably end up moving Troy Warner back there. And so, yeah, they didn't lose a lot on defense, so they should be fairly solid. Uh, the big thing is they got to stop the run. As you guys know, last year, the you know first few games, they just struggled mightily to stop the run, and it really hurt them. Uh, even against... You know, the the five schools like Toledo and South Florida, they struggled there. So I would say that's the big question, Mark, is stopping the run and also if they can figure out a pass rusher and and get some some heat on the quarterback. Jay Drew, Deseret News, joining us here to talk spring football and BYU. I was talking a little basketball with Dave Rose, and he said something interesting that um, about the basketball program he thinks going forward will get more transfers than they did uh, during his uh, um, coaching tenure there. And he said he thinks the attitude on campus has changed and people are more open to it, and he's seen it with what Kalani is doing with football. Have you seen this trend? And if it's going to continue to be a trend, what's the real timeline for it? Could we still see some transfers coming in from the transfer portal uh, early in the summer? Yeah, I think after spring ball is over, that's when the kind of the transfer portal heats up and that kind of that market or that shifting takes place. 
after guys maybe see that uh, they weren't part of the plans at the school they're at after spring ball, and that becomes evident. If you look at last year, that's kind of when BYU picked up Tyson Williams and Emmanuel Supa is just after spring ball. Um, if you talk to the coaches, and like we talked to them on signing day, they're, they're, they've got a couple spots open. They've been adamant about saying, yeah, we, we saved a, a couple spots. So I think they're still, obviously one went to Devontae Henry Cole from Utah, but they're still pretty active in the transfer portal from all I've heard. And, uh, and I, I can see them, especially, I think they need a receiver. And I think they need a rush, a rush specialist. Uh, of course, that'd be easier said than done. But, but as far as kind of the trend on campus, I would agree with that. I think, I think uh, Tyson Williams coming in and kind of showing them the, how much of an impact he could have and, and really uh, resonated around campus uh, that, that, you know, let's find a spot for these guys academically as well as, you know, on the field and, and they could really come in and, and help and provide immediate help. And so, yeah, I would agree with Coach Rose that, that I think that I think the restrictions are loosening up, at least in that area, where they're uh, admitting guys into grad school that maybe they wouldn't have in the past. And uh, and they're kind of maybe the faculty and, and the admissions office is cooperating a little bit, maybe taking some baby steps towards helping out uh, these, these marquee programs. They were awful in place kicking last year. Any hope to be better? Yeah, it, I I don't know. You know, you, you you wonder if Jake Oldroyd can get back to his pre-mission form where he kicked the game winner against Arizona and had a pretty good year. Uh, obviously, Skyler South and left and signed with the transfer to Utah. Uh, they got a return missionary, uh, Ryan Reckow. Uh, I think he's from Washington or Idaho, northern Idaho, around that area. But uh, he had it. You know, he could obviously push Old Roy to some kicking duties. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they should be better um, because you're right, Pat. Last year was a disaster in the, in the kicking department, uh, especially toward the end of the season. Well, even in the middle where they missed some field goals against South Florida and Toledo that might have changed the outcome. So, definitely an area they need to improve. Jay Drew, Deseret News, talking BYU spring football. As you bring up, hey, guys might not like where they are in the plan or on the depth chart. At the end of spring ball, with three quarterbacks, do you think whoever finds themselves third on the depth chart could be out of there, or do you think they'll uh, massage that a little bit and have a 2A and 2B or something like that? Yeah, I think they'll massage it a little bit. It's a uh kind of an interesting thing. I mean, if you take them individually, uh, you know, Zach Wilson, he's invested so much time and energy in the program and that. And and I can see if he's relegated to, uh, you know, to second or third string, I can see him being pretty disenchanted and, and maybe thinking about leaving. Uh, Jaron Hall, obviously you have the baseball factor where he's also a member of the baseball team and He's got some people in his ear telling him that that might be a better sport for the future, especially with the concussion that he's sustained. And then uh, Baylor Romney's wife is an outstanding track and field athlete in the pole vault, and I think she actually has a BYU record uh, for women's pole vaulting. So I don't know 
you know, basically if he'd want to leave, you'd have to make a decision with her too. So it's a kind of a, a double decision there. So there's all these other kind of mitigating factors uh, that are involved uh, where, you know, and maybe say a so-called normal situation you wouldn't have. Um, but honestly, I expect all three would stay, even if they're relegated to uh, second or third string. Um, and that's evident after spring ball. Uh, you know, maybe the coaches will string them along a little bit and not, not name it for that reason, just so they don't use a kid. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of factors that play into it. Well, Jay, we appreciate a few minutes of your time. We will let you get back to the state tournament. We can hear it in the background. Okay, guys. Thank you, Jay. Sorry about that. That's fine. Okay, no problem. Jay Drew, Deseret News, spring football. Plenty of questions there for the Cougars, PK. Yeah, a lot of teams have them. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think they're dealing from a better position of strength. I think their program is better last than it was last year, better than it was two years ago. Uh, a lot of these kids got playing experience. Kalani brought some of these kids back from missions that he recruited. And they're going to need to be because it's another daunting schedule with more P5s than ever. And so they've, they've got to stay healthy and they've got to play better. And simple as that. And you know, don't, don't have some devastating losses that sort of cancel out the big wins that you've had. I think all that's true. I think the uh, you know the playing time at quarterback they got more depth there. Boy, if you're looking for a place they're in better shape to know you got multiple quarterbacks who can win games, uh, that's positive. Well, they needed them. It's yeah. not like uh, they just replaced guys who were ineffective. The other guys got hurt, so stands to reason that that might happen again this year. And it's, and it's obviously it's good to have for sure. DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven-five and twelve-eighty. The zone. Coming up, we're going to get you up to speed on everything you've missed in this show. The Jazz playing tonight, the Cougars, the Aggies, the Utes playing tomorrow. What a crazy night in the Pac-12. And Carl Durrell, the new football coach at Colorado. At first blush, the headline, I thought, wow, that's different, that's interesting. The more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, that makes sense on multiple levels for both sides, which I guess is why the deals got done. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jazz wrap up their five-game homestand tonight against the Washington Wizards. They'll be trying to snap a four-game losing streak. Game tips off at 7. Pre-game show starts at 6 here on The Zone. Elsewhere in the NBA, Lakers blow out the Warriors. Draymond Green ejected. Thunder down 19. Rally to beat Sacramento, 112-108. They're now a half game in front of the Jazz. Jazz have slipped to 6th in the West. College basketball tomorrow, 4 o'clock. BYU at Pepperdine on the CBS Sports Network. Utah at Cal, 4 o'clock on the Pac-12 Networks. Utah State in Albuquerque, 8 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Tom Brady currently operating under the belief that he'll enter free agency to play somewhere other than New England next season, a sentiment the quarterback has shared with others, according to a report from ESPN's Jeff Darlington. RSL opens the season at Orlando City, 4 o'clock tomorrow on KMYU and the KSL TV app. Top of the Wire brought to you by Homie. Buying or selling a home, Homie will give you up to $5,000 back to help you with closing costs and fees. Remember, it's simple to get started with Homie. See more at Homie.com. Big Show show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. You ready? You guys ready? 
Sam Amick, senior NBA writer for The Athletic. What do you make of that report? Mike Conley was going to go to the bench in favor of Royce O'Neal, and then a couple hours later, actually Mike Conley remained in the starting lineup. Joe Ingles goes to the bench. I mean, I think it's a symptom of some of the struggles going on internally with the Jazz as they try to figure out how to make the puzzle pieces work. Mike is universally known as a team guy who is just going to do whatever's best for the squad, but it just it reflected uncertainty that's going on internally on how to use this roster. It's tricky as they try to figure it out at a crucial point of the year. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. At this point, I'd be stunned if he returns to New England, to be, to be very blunt about it. And I understand that people don't necessarily want to accept it. Even those close to Brady still sit there and say, yeah, but you'll walk into Bill Belichick's office. He'll lay out this master plan and all will be well again. I got to tell you, I get no sense that, that Brady is thinking that way. Instead, very much so looking toward free agency. It is not as if Tom Brady is flirting with the possibility of free agency so we can ultimately come back with the Patriots. He is absolutely looking forward to free agency. This is how it always ends. It ends poorly. Otherwise, it wouldn't end. Maybe Brady is different. Maybe he can rewrite it. Maybe it's all leverage. Doesn't seem like it, though. 9 a.m. Slacker Radio Headlines brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. So, is Brady still a Super Bowl-level quarterback? Does Bill Belichick think so? Does Belichick have a young guy he's got an eye on that he thinks is the next guy? Or are all just tired of each other? Just tired of each other. Just don't want to look at each other anymore. Garoppolo was the young guy who was supposed to be up and coming. They trade him in the Niners. They go to the Super Bowl. And I know he wasn't the franchise quarterback who carried him. Well, listen, here's the deal. They introduced the starting lineups and Garoppolo ran out onto the field. He was in the Super Bowl. And the Patriots gave up on him. And maybe Bill's still bitter about that. Who's the next guy? Here's the deal. For years, the Patriots have benefited by Brady when he came to free agency because guys would take less to play with him. Hey, take less, chase the ring. That's going to be out the door. But they didn't have enough talent around him to win the Super Bowl, even if he's only 80 or 90% of what he was. There still wasn't enough talent around him to win. But at the end, when a quarterback has had a long run with the team and the team decides it's time to move on, the quarterback often goes on and plays somewhere for another year or two. It's an old story. Heck, it's not the only story this we're seeing this year, right? Phillip Rivers is supposed to be going to the Colts to reunite with his ex-coach. Longtime Charger. is Charger lifer. San Diego and L.A. And now he's going to end up with a horseshoe on his helmet? That's going to look weird. But Brady will look weirder, obviously. He has a higher profile. He's won more than anybody. But we were just watching the Super Bowl and that whole playoff run by the Chiefs, getting the Chiefs back to the AFC title game the last couple of years. That's just been an excuse to drag out the video of Joe Montana as a Chief, getting them and you know, winning their only, uh, getting them to their only AFC title game in 50 years until they did it here in these last two years with Mahomes. So these stories go on and on. We all remember Brett Favre bouncing around. And you can go back through the decades forever. This has been going on forever. So he'll move on. But where? Cowboys? Raiders, Chargers, Titans, Bucks. There isn't a, as good a fit as there was for Manning when he went to Denver. Speaking of quarterbacks who moved on, but Manning still won. They had the number one pick. So they wanted to move on, and, and Denver was a good fit because they had a great defense and they needed a quarterback. I don't think there's a team with a great defense that needs a quarterback in the same way. 
Basketball this weekend. Man, if you want to watch basketball and you want to watch the locals, you've come to the right place. Jazz and Wizards tonight, BYU, Utah, and Utah State tomorrow. It would only be better if the Utah Cougars were playing at 6. Because they're both playing at 4, nobody's playing at 6, and the Aggies are playing at 8. You could have three games right in a row. How many people do that? We do it in the media because we're paid to do it. How many other people can just clear their lives and have the interest level to watch the other three? Or do you just watch your team and check the scores on the other two? That's you're, what was, you're at least aware of what the other it's two It's more doing. of you watch your team and you're checking box scores for the other two or three. Or you're dropping a little bit? Yeah. Maybe a little the bit. The die is cast with Utah, right? The last storyline here with the Utes are, are they going to win a road game in conference play? They've won one road game all year. It's a non-conference game. Are they going to win a... a uh, a road game, and are they going to finish with a winning record? They're 15 and 13. If they win one of these two regular season games, either at Cal this weekend or home to Colorado next week, then they've got their winning season. They're 16 and 14 going down to Vegas. If they lose the first game, they're 16 and 15. Declare victory, move on. I don't know. Do you even care about the winning record? PK didn't even care when I brought it up the other day. Seems like the last little box that can be checked. Well, we had a winning record. BYU and Utah State are chasing win number 24. NCAA tournament berth. Joe Lenardi uh, spit out an update on the internet to get a gazillion more clicks at uh, ESPN. Both these teams going for win 24. BYU currently slotted in as a 6 seed. Utah State is a 10. Utah State's not even. First off, they were second four out. Then they were last four out. Then they were in, but they were slated to go to Dayton for one of those opening round games. And now as a 10 seed, they're not even slated for that, if Lenardi is right, obviously. And they got a chance to pick up a win in Albuquerque. New Mexico's got a losing record, 6-11 and 11 in, in league. They got a great home record, but they pad it with non-conference gimmies. Aggies should take care of business. They need to. They, they are so close to the bubble, they could easily screw this up. And ironically, if they beat New Mexico, there's still a decent chance to play New Mexico again in the tournament quarterfinals, in the conference tournament in Vegas. BYU with a win will not play in a quarterfinal. They'll be straight into the semis. And even if they lose, they'll probably be into the semis anyways because St. Mary's has got a win at Gonzaga, and that doesn't seem very likely. But still, you got momentum. Tim Lacombe, former assistant BYU coach who was on TV 10 days before the Gonzaga game saying, BYU will win. And he was texting me before the game, BYU's going to win by 10 or 15. And he got it right. Ended up right in between there. Double-digit win. He's a little worried about Pepperdine. And BYU's the better team, but Pepperdine's good enough to pull an upset, and BYU's been flying so high. A gazillion years ago, when I was calling UC Santa Barbara games, and the former uh, Utah coach, Jerry Pym, was the head coach at UCSB, they went to UNLV and they won. And they had a goofy schedule in the game uh, in those days. And he took them, he had a chance to take them home. I think they had to play after, like, on a Monday or something, after a Saturday game or Tuesday. Had a chance to take them home. He thought, no, I'm not doing that. We're going straight to Fullerton. I'm not going to let people pat these guys on the back. And they went and won a road game in Fullerton. And then they went home. And everybody told them how good they were. And they lost to Utah State and San Jose State. And San Jose State was pretty good in that era. And Utah State was too. But they lost back-to-back home games. And He's like, yep, and that's why I didn't let them come home. Everybody told them how good they were. Now BYU's been walking around campus for a week being told how good they are. It's better when you are good, but you don't realize you've arrived yet. Because then you still got the edge with, that comes with trying to arrive. But now they beat Gonzaga, and everyone's been telling them how good they are. And that, as Tim points out, might put a little doubt in your mind. PK put it at 25% chance they lose the game. I thought that was a little on the high side. I think I was going to go 10 or 15. 
But the point is, it's still there, and we've seen them drop these games. They nearly lost in San Diego. And in previous years, they've lost everywhere. Pepperdine, Loyola Marymount, San Diego, USF. You can just go right, well, they lost to USF this year. You can go right down the list. You know the one place I think they haven't blown a game? I don't think. Do they, have they blown games at Santa Clara, Yuck? Is that the one place BYU is bulletproof? Yeah, Santa Clara's been a Santa pretty... Clara's the one they clean up on. Yeah, but they only... But it's... literally everybody else has taken them out. In the last two years, though, Santa Clara's been the team that BYU's only played once as per sure, season. Sure, so the last couple so years. It's... But we're still looking like a five-year, yeah, You can look back almost a full trend. decade at this point. Yeah. And yeah, Santa Clara's been kind of the one place they go, and you're like, okay, they'll win there. Mm-hmm. Pope even acknowledged it yesterday. that He said that we're 4-4 four and four at Firestone Fieldhouse in the last eight years. See, he's so. looking for stuff to throw down the gauntlet. He, he's aware. Doesn't miss a trick. The football news of the day, Colorado coach uh, Carl Durrell is keeping four assistant coaches from Mel Tucker's staff. And when I, I got to admit, when I first saw that, I thought, what's he doing that for? Usually you keep one or two. You get a little of that institutional knowledge, what we did, who we recruited, why, blah, blah, blah. Four seems like a lot, but then I realized, well, he's been in the NFL since he left UCLA, so he may not have the network. A lot of guys have settled because this is a late move. And... Some guys weren't taken to Michigan State. Remember, it was not only Tucker was getting more money, but he had way more money for the assistants, and he didn't take some guys. But apparently they were doing a pretty good job recruiting. Uh, Tucker was getting all kinds of uh, praise for the guys he was landing, so keeping these four guys. And as I said earlier, man, assistant coaches, it's all the year-to-year deal. So Carl, Carl Durrell's like, okay, we'll do this. We'll keep the continuity. We'll get the institutional knowledge. If it doesn't work out, you always make a change in the year anyway. The unusual story of the day, Yak, you put this on the list and I blew through it earlier this morning. We were a little heavy. Clemson signed a guy to a football scholarship. His name is Tan Tessman. And apparently there's a family tie there. Dabo Sweeney knows the kid's dad, so he's known the kid forever. He's watched him grow up. And the kid's a freakish athlete, multi-sports star, soccer, basketball, and he's never kicked... But he can. He's but, never kicked in a game. He's seen right. him kick football. He's kicked right, yeah. but just like a guy he's on never played field, football, right? He never played football. So they offer him and he accepts it. But now he's reversed. He went through the uh, da- the FC Dallas Academy and he's signing with FC Dallas on a three year deal. And then Dabo Sweeney, I guess, in the recruiting thing was saying, well, really, he got the hops to play basketball. It's like six two. So. Good to have options, I guess. That's a bizarro story, man. I don't really usually associate the FC Dallas Academy with Clemson signees who haven't played football, who really the coach believes are best at basketball. It's quite the odd combination. All right, and all of those stories are just the appetizer for the big one tonight. Did the Jazz snap the losing streak? You won't get that excited about beating the Wizards because they're 15 games under 500. 15, let that sink in. They are worse than the Spurs. They are worse than the Suns. They've only won seven road games all year. They're seven and twenty-one on the road. If the Jazz were ever going to snap it, snap the streak, now's the time. Then it's on to Cleveland and New York on a road trip. It's a chance to have a three-game win streak when they go back to Boston. And I know it seems unlikely. I mean, just watch the Jazz play Boston. But when you play a team twice close together, you're supposed to split, right? I know a lot of you are rolling your eyes. You don't have a lot of confidence in the Jazz going into Boston. Well, first things first, they've got to beat the Wizards tonight. We had David Locke on early in the show, talked about how teams are attacking the Jazz differently, moving, not just moving Rudy Gobert away from the hoop, not just moving him to the three-point line, but moving him to one side of the floor and the three-point line 
and giving guys a lot of space to operate on the other side of the floor. It's something the Jazz have to figure out how to adapt to. But there's less help and way more space, and it's been a problem. So we'll see if the Wizards take advantage of that. As David Locke pointed out, uh, their centers aren't really all that good. Do they just play without one? See, the thing is, you can do that, but do you have five three-point shooters? Are we about to see more drafts where shooting is even at more of a premium because literally you have to trust five guys to make a three-point shot? Is that, where it was, is that where this is going? How quickly is it going there? And what does that do for a player like Rudy Gobert where that's not what he does? How do the Jazz adapt then? Tons of questions, but the gap in talent and the Jazz will win this game. All right, that's what's going on. Brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. Your feedback coming up next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Time for your feedback. Brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. We're going to do the reverse of what we normally do here. Normally, we analyze the feedback we get. Today, I want to analyze the feedback we didn't get. What, says Yock? Yock, did I not do a story, a segment, and it was one of our shorter segments. We usually have two longer and one shorter in each hour. Peek behind the radio curtain. And when I did it, didn't you think I was going to get a lot of uh, negative tweets? You thought you were going to. I did. And you didn't tell me I was wrong. No. You nodded agreement. Yeah. And yet there are none. Got nothing, huh? I'm proud of our listeners. Maybe not you, our 945 listeners, our 950 listeners. You look a little shady. I'm not sure I trust you. I definitely didn't trust the 745 listeners, those people. Very iffy. And yet, I should have trusted them, Yak. They took the high road. I thought that might lead to some blowback. Just the very mention of Bernie Sanders might blow some people's minds. If you missed it, I did a story on the uh, Garth Brooks concert. Garth Brooks went out there wearing the jersey that said Sanders 20. And some people saw the photos on social media and went absolutely berserk. Stick to entertainment. Don't bring politics into this. Bernie's a socialist. Bernie's a communist. I don't want to hear this. And, of course, those people are hideously misinformed. They didn't realize he was doing a concert in Detroit, and he did what a lot of musicians do and what a lot of comedians do, too. When you're an entertainer and you're up on stage, you feed off the audience. They literally need the audience to be into it. They don't want to go out to some place that's dead. One way to juice it up is to suck up to the sports fans and local identity. That was a Barry Sanders jersey. Barry Sanders wore number 20. Granted, an unusual number for a running back. You know, a lot of running backs wore 32 or whatever. 34. But 20? That's Barry Sanders. So he wore a couple jerseys. There's one of them in blue. There's one of them in silver. And apparently the crowd just ate it up. Predictably, Detroit's like, ah, they're going nuts. Now you got the energy in the building, right? You're playing this huge football stadium with 70,000 people. Thought there'd be some stick to, stick to sports blowback, but there's none. Way to go, people. The whole message is that everybody's got to dial it down two notches. Whether we're all screaming all the time or we're not screaming all the time, and there's going to be an election, and half the people are going to be happy, and half the people are going to be mad, like every four years. But this whole thing, going off on Garth Brooks for bringing politics into his show, he was sucking up to sports fans. 
More feedback from the people. A lot of people really like I, I put a couple bizarro news stories up. Uh, there are bees in the air duct, and you have no idea. You got to check that out. Yak, did you check that out? Oh, yes. Terrifying. Really? I'm not a, I, if I were to open up my ceiling and see an eight-foot beehive in there, I'm out. Burn it with fire. Burn it all down. <laughs> they tried to save the queen and save the hive. We're I having know. a problem with bees. I get that part. Bees of are at the cutting edge of the environment. If all the bees die, we're all screwed. <laughs> yeah, I just don't want it. They got to. They got to pollinate the plants. We got to go. Yeah. And I don't find honeybees terrifying. I'm allergic to wasps. We're aware. <laughs> I will blow up like a balloon. I actually have family members who but are honeybees, allergic. Yeah. Well, other people are allergic yeah. to honeybees. I'm not. I mean, if you're one of them, I get why you would freak out. But I don't find them to be all that I, aggressive. Not that I'm aware of. I've been stung a they couple of times. They did say the hive wasn't totally full. If it was full, it had the capacity for 100 to 150,000 bees. Just insane. <laughs> oh, classic. Uh, we got other people trying to... Uh, th- the, the college basketball game with the most local talent. Dixie State and Westminster tonight, and no local media will cover it. Well, don't play the same night the Jazz play the Wizards and the same night the 4A and 6A state playoffs are going on. Exactly. We're out of people. We yeah. got no more people. Dixie's going D1 next year. They'll be in the wax, so yep. we'll talk a little more about them. Do what the Mountain West did. The Tuesday night games, they are getting great national TV slots because they're willing to play on a Tuesday night. Absolutely. And going to the Tuesday, Wednesday, ESPN's picking up games, CBS Sportsnet's picking up games, and then uh, AT&T Sports Regional's picking up games. They're doing great. This is the best TV coverage the Mountain West has ever gotten. And theoretically, in the long run, that pays off in recruiting. Theoretically. We'll see if it does. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Tony and Austin are next. See ya.